As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils. Wow, the podcast dedicated to Manchester United from The Athletic. We are in the Bishop Blaze pub, which is just a goal kick away from Old Trafford down the road. And as you can see, we're joined by a full house on the podcast. I've just touched Laurie Whitwell's you, leg. You just did a Jamie Carragher on Thierry Henry on me there. <laughs> too. I've just did it again. But Laurie Whitwell and his leg are here. Andy Mitten's here and Carl Anker's here as well. We've got lots to talk about on the pod. The main focus in this first section, though, is going to be about... Cristiano Ronaldo because there are still so many question marks about his immediate future at Old Trafford but wider than that really after being left out of the Liverpool game as well there's quite a lot to reflect upon exactly how he fits into the future of the club if indeed he does remain as a Manchester United player. Laurie I'll start with you Um, that wasn't a great 90 minutes for Ronaldo in a sense against Liverpool was it? No not a great 90 minutes for him a really great 90 minutes for Eric Ten Hag because the big calls he made notably with Ronaldo paid off. I at one point thought, I don't think Ronaldo's even going to come on here. Um, and then I wonder if the fact that Liverpool got it back to 2-1 actually sort of provoked him to make those changes and, and get Ronaldo some minutes. But it was only four minutes at the end. Anthony Marshall, who's been out injured, came on before him. Clearly, that's somebody that at Ten Hag feels he can work with long term. We saw it on the tour, the way that he linked up with Rashford, Sancho, Fernandez, um, And he spoke about the fact that the reason why he played the false nine was because against Brighton on the opening day was because Martial was injured but yeah in terms of Ronaldo that'll give him a lot to ponder we saw him on the bench didn't we Um, some of the facial expressions were were kind of stern I would say perhaps Um, I also thought it was quite notable um, speaking of Jamie Carragher that he came over to Sky Sports before the game Gary Neville obviously got a hug Jamie Carragher didn't Roy Keane got a warm affection I think Roy Keane and um, Ronaldo do have a, a decent relationship he certainly was playing on his debut uh, against Bolton all those years ago uh, and, and Keane I think defended him didn't he when he got taken out for a penalty and, and you know, so anyway it's, it's a long-standing friendship but I thought that from Ronaldo's point of view he was making sure that he was in front of the camera I am here I am present these are guys that I've won trophies with at Man United before and I don't like Jamie Carragher very much and I don't like Jamie Carragher very much <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have his picture taken or the interview next to a, an old picture of himself did he on Sky Sports Ronaldo. Ronaldo yeah there wasn't like an older picture of him 
Oh, right, right. I Next see where we're going. No. Right, okay. That went above my head for a second there. No, yeah, okay, fine. We're still, we're you've, still there, You've forgotten we? about it already. It was it's, only last night. A lot's happened since then. I've written True. a piece. I've done another podcast, and I've driven, you know, through Trafford and tried to find Bless a nice parking you're driving space. all this way. <laughs> it's tough to find all some parking spaces here. There's, yeah. there's a car park next door. Roger Byrne is what you're referring to, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Everyone will have seen it by now, I'm sure. Uh, the, the internet sorts of that yeah. a, a compliment if ever if ever I could have one and as I said you know on, on Twitter if I could play anywhere near the level that Roger Byrne played as you know six aside partner that yeah. I am yeah, as yeah. Carl knows Al Trafford <laughs> you know uh, running around up front aimlessly I was doing what Ten Hag wanted you, were. you know in you that match the against the media <laughs> team uh, but yeah didn't have any any touch at all did I we'll move on I think Carl you've written about some of the tactical changes that Eric Ten Hag made in that Liverpool game that brought that victory the Ronaldo call feels as big as any that he made, really. And it was a success, wasn't it? So how does it revert back to him being part of that first choice, Manchester United 11 again? It's a difficult one. I don't think Eric Ten Hag will want to play that style of football every single week in the Premier League. You know, United were brilliant against Liverpool. And it really felt like the better half of the 1920 season, the project restart section. So sort of middle block get the ball to Fernandes, that early run in the transition, run wide and really exploit weakness in behind. You won't do that next week against Southampton. You, you probably aren't going to only get 30% possession. And that's where Ronaldo probably becomes a more conceivable option up front. The thing about Ronaldo and the thing that Ten Hag seems to stress a lot in these press conferences, at least after the fact or when he's asked about Ronaldo, is he believes Ronaldo is physically able to play ten hawks style of football and I think everyone knows that Ronaldo is fit enough strong enough and quick enough to play ten hawks style of football it's whether or not he wants to buy in uh, and play um, you know is he emotionally uh, pliable to play ten hawk football because it will require him to do a lot of off the ball running and to play a style of football that Ronaldo hasn't really played in a long time and this is the thing you get to, to all successful people right is you reach a point where someone comes up to you and says hey if you want to keep being successful you need to stop doing what you're doing and do something else and it, it feels as if Ronaldo is reluctant to try doing something else but he will have to if he wants to continue playing in Man for Manchester United under Eric Ten Hag. If he wants any encouragement though Andy he just needs to watch that match doesn't he? he sat on the bench for the majority of the game and, and saw a team who were doing what the manager wanted and it it worked against one of the best teams in the country as well. So to get a buy-in, he couldn't needed any more encouragement than watching that game, really. I think Cristiano will, at some point, have to come to terms with his own diminishing talent. And he's been a success right up to now for Manchester United in his first spell uh, since signing last year. Uh, as we've said many times on the podcast, his goals last season were the highlight of, of last season and, and key goals as well. But at some point, he's not going to be able to play every week in a league as tough as the Premier League. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer dropped him. Uh, Michael Carrick dropped him. Ralph Rangnick wanted to drop him. Uh, Eric Ten Hag has dropped him. So Ten Hag is showing that he's the most important person at the club, which a manager should be. He's sending out a very clear message, one which has been vindicated by the performance, by the result. If Cristiano stays at Old Trafford, I still think he's got lots to offer. He might not be playing 60 games a season. He might not be re realising his dream of playing Champions League football. But a Cristiano who accepts that it's not just about him could still be massively beneficial to Manchester United. If he's putting positive energy into the dressing room rather than negative energy then he could still really help Manchester United. I'm still not 100% that he will stay, but I think there's been a lack of suitors 
for him so far, who can offer him what he wants. Either way, it's a situation which needs to be resolved, where Cristiano needs to know where he stands as well, where his family needs to know where he stands. And then if he's doing his best, trying to help Eric, the opposite of that is not trying to help Eric, then Manchester United can improve. United have got good players. The Liverpool result was really encouraging. And through, viewed through a positive prism, that could be a launch for Manchester United to have a, a decent season. But we're talking in through the lens of, of Manchester United winning the game. You know, If United wouldn't have beaten Liverpool, we'd be so despondent. Yeah, the mood in this pub would be completely different yeah, this morning be. as well. Yeah. There's been some some happy faces about for a change. Which the floor great is to see. very sticky. That was just Andy having his breakfast, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Those Cumberland sausages. Carl makes a great point, though. The floor is very sticky. There's been a few pints thrown in this place <laughs> and probably a few last night while the match was going on, certainly. Laurie, you mentioned it on the podcast that we did after the match, which is up on the, the podcast feed, of course, if you want to listen back to that. Um, I did actually press record this time, which I think everyone's <laughs> relieved about. Um, that, Andy. I'm happy with that. Absolutely. This wasn't a waste of time standing there till midnight by an empty programme store. I noticed only last night after we recorded, there's like a danger sign behind, and I thought that was like an omen again. <laughs> Don't stand in this spot, it won't record. It was sort of pointing at me as well, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you felt, are a danger. I still feel guilty about it, and it's like six It was the best on. podcast ever, though, wasn't it? Well, and, and yeah. since it's it, never going to be aired... It'll it gets get better, better. In, yeah. in more time. It's like the Donny van der Beek yeah. effect. Yeah. The more you don't hear it, the better it was. <laughs> anyway, um, you were talking about on the podcast that was recorded, this correlation, I think, was the word that you used, potentially, between Ronaldo not being in the team and improved performances from Marcus Rashford and Jadon Sancho. And, of course, last season, Ronaldo was great, the numbers were great, everyone else, it seemed, around him struggled. Is there a correlation in your mind? Do you think that there is something definitive that other players have struggled playing with Ronaldo? Yeah, I've obviously thrown it out there based on some thought and also, you know, information that you get from people and, and their own opinions. I think you can look at what other players have done alongside Ronaldo in previous teams. Juventus, Paulo Dybala, for example, I think his numbers sort of went down. Uh, Karim Benzema even, you know, when he was playing for Real Madrid, his numbers since Ronaldo's gone have, have gone up. And maybe you'll say, well, that's obviously to be expected. More is uh, put on him now because Ronaldo's left. He have to score more goals. But it, it did feel telling that you had this kind of explosion of energy um, straight away, you know, with Ronaldo on the bench. Now also, you know, Ten Hag had the players in on their day off on Sunday, specifically to run that distance between them and Brentford. And he could lose some players with that kind of authoritative um sort of draconian maybe uh, methodology but it's early into his tenure so he's, he's got the kind of license to do that and, and you saw the reaction to it but it, it does help when you've got someone like Ronaldo who as far as our information is is resistant to that kind of way of playing you know he's, he's kind of questioning it why why should I need to do this um, when clearly his numbers in terms of goal scoring have been you know brilliant you know you couldn't ask for more in terms of um, the, the, the goals that he scored and you know he was player of the season last year yeah. um, from from the fans point of view um, so but I do think and even Bruno Fernandes into that mix as well you know you look at Sky did it last night didn't they the difference between when Ronaldo plays and when um, he doesn't with with Bruno and, and his creativity and uh, you know as Carl touched on that quick moment that quick transition from I'm just going to do a, a ball around the corner Rashford had it a couple of times before it then you know, proved dividends for, for Sancho ultimately and then Rashford in the second half so we saw it on tour in Bangkok and Melbourne and Perth Ten Hag felt like he was getting something together the Marshall injury disrupted that now he's back you feel that that's his 
front four really. And you know, as we say, if, if Ronaldo can get on board with, which you know is a very big if. This is the big if. It's that's, the, that's the big if. Manchester United, in that early part of 1920, were there was a big gaping attacking hole. And eventually Bruno Fernandes comes in, replaces Andreas Pereira, and that becomes the system. All the stars revolve around the sun, which is Fernandes. And that works. And there were times where United weren't playing so good, but you could see Fred and McTominay go, I'll give it Bruno, and Bruno will spray it everywhere. This will work. Yeah. yeah. And you can talk about whether or not Bruno Fernandes is good or not, but the fact that Bruno Fernandes is willing to take that creative burden, just, go, just give it to me and I'll take the risk for you, is great. Fine. Fantastic. And that will work in counter-attacking system when you want to play loads of direct balls. When Ronaldo comes in, the system eventually becomes give it Ronaldo. Because if you don't, you're likely to have him in your year afterwards <laughs> saying, why yeah. didn't you give it me? <laughs> yeah. uh, and that is difficult when Ronaldo especially goes wandering. Uh, and his movement sometimes doesn't necessarily work in relation to the team, but is all, all often in service of himself. So Ronaldo has this thing every now and again where he'll be in and around the penalty box and he can hop back. Uh, and you know most strikers who have not scored as many goals as Cristiano Ronaldo would keep running towards near post. And if you're an orthodox winger, you go, oh, just ping it that way and that way. Whereas Ronaldo sometimes hops back and he's going, I'm giving myself space to properly power up and take that shot. Because that's how I, Ronaldo, like to shoot. And that's why how I've scored a thousand yeah. goals or whatever he scored in his career. There was yeah. actually a game against West Ham where he was dropping into that number 10 and the West Ham staff in the stands were saying, he's killing us in that hole. But it's a specific moment. It's a very tailored yeah. approach. It's a very... Ronaldo is servicing himself and doing things that are really important to him. But if, you're, if you've just come off at, I'll give it Bruno if I'm stuck, going from that to, I'll give it Ronaldo, or when they're both playing together, you have that thing of, well, who do I give it to? Ten Hag's got to coach that properly and say, well, in these situations you pass here and these situations you pass there. But essentially you need a more... If you play Ronaldo, you've got to maintain that system where you give it to Bruno Fernandes first. And you've also got to tell Ronaldo to essentially stop wandering and to play like you're a worse striker which I imagine might be slightly insulting if you're Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, there's the, you know, the story about David Moyes handing video clips to, of Phil Jagielka to Rio Ferdinand, Rio Ferdinand not taking that so well. Uh, and you know, Ralph Ragnick kept bringing up strikers who were not as good as Cristiano Ronaldo in press conferences. Rafa has tried it at Real Madrid with Ronaldo, didn't he? Yeah. The, the, the CDs, DVDs, I think. Yeah, and it's a thing of... Something I, I, I've been thinking about a lot is how Ralph Ragnick brought up Klaas-Jan Huntelaar and how Eric Ten Hag has worked with Klaas-Jan Huntelaar at Ajax. And that is... Essentially, your soft model for what's Ten Hag ball going to be with an older striker? Oh, what Huntelaar did at Ajax in 1819. How do you tell Cristiano Ronaldo to, to play like class Huntelaar. like Huntelaar? Yeah, to be the guy he replaced pretty much at Real Madrid. It's a, it's a hard sell, Andy, isn't it? <laughs> it is a hard sell. I think there's got to be compromise on all sides and Cristiano's got to compromise. Eric will make the decisions. Would Eric have signed Cristiano? Uh, if he was a Manchester United manager a year ago, I, 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 think, I don't think he would. Not a chance. And I don't even think Manchester United would have signed Cristiano. But for a chain of events at the end of the last transfer window, when he was offered to Ed Woodward, who worked up the numbers, who sold the numbers to Joel Glazer commercially, who said to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, would you like Cristiano Ronaldo? And managers tend to like more players, especially very 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 good ones and it all happened so quickly but he was no it wasn't in united's plans three months before that and then he came in and he did well and we we all 
I was delighted when he signed because you want to believe this is the man who's going to make the team great again. He made a great start he as well, to be fair start. to him. I mean, that Newcastle game is up there was the best game at Old Trafford in recent times. Even Liverpool the other night, as good as that was, for a sense of occasion, that was box office at Old Trafford, wasn't it? But it's complicated and his future is complicated. And there are people who think Manchester United will be better off without Cristiano Ronaldo. Are you there. one of them? I'm torn on it. I feel like I could argue both sides for an hour each pretty strongly. <laughs> I really we do. haven't got that much time, Andy, I really do. No, no. I know. I, 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 I think he'll stay. Okay. I, I, I think he does absolutely have something to offer Manchester United. He's the greatest player I've ever seen play for Manchester United in terms of his talent levels. I don't want to rubbish his legacy, but I think we're also entitled to be constructively critical um, of his development um, and, and his place in the Manchester United team under Eric Ten Hag. I think Eric Ten Hag's played it well. I think he saw the impact of him when he brought this happy squad back and then Cristiano Ronaldo joined it. The mood didn't improve when he came back. It got worse. All my sources tell me it got worse and I trust them. They've got no reason to, to lie to no. me. So... If that negative can be turned into a positive, I do think he can offer something good for Manchester United. And great, it's wonderful when Old Trafford sing in Viva Ronaldo. But there's got to be some compromise on his side as well. What's all this two-week thing that he was talking about, Laurie? What's the truth that we're going to learn? It's less than two weeks now. He's going to have a week He's, he's, he's going to get it after that. If he just repeated you know, that, that outrageous <laughs> slur that you saw have said there. So it's the 101 mood. stories now and, and still five of them I are I wonder accurate. if that notepad is yeah. still going. I'd, I'd laugh if he went for him. Just yeah. like, right, <laughs> this, this fella from the 1950s. Right? <laughs> slaughtered him. I'd take it, probably see my followers go up, wouldn't but, it? But why, why, wait, why wait two weeks? Why not, why not do it now? But it made me feel like it, the two weeks coincided with the end of the transfer window, didn't it? It's because he wants so. to know where he stands at the end of the transfer window and what he says will probably depend on where he is, right? Yeah. I mean, so we're kind of thinking... It would be interesting if he opens up what he truly feels about Manchester United. Can he, though, well if he's still at the club? He can. He could slaughter Manchester United, to be fair to him. The, the club he came back is nothing like the club he left. He could absolutely pinpoint so many different areas which should be improved. While he's still a Manchester United well, player? No, no, because he's, he's under contract. But yeah. he, he could say, this was better at Madrid, this was better at Juventus, and be totally justified... In, in, in doing that. Well, this was better the last time I was here. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was. And uh, when he speaks, it will be his version of the truth. Footballers tend to have their own versions of the truth. Eric Ten Hag has got to think of the truth for 25 different players. He's got to think of the collective, not just about one player. I'd, 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 if he's going to stay, I hope he has a brilliant season. I hope he scores fantastic goals. I hope there's a really strong feeling between the fans and the player, but I think for that to happen, there needs to be some compromise. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Carl, how much time this season are we going to spend on this podcast talking about Ronaldo fitting into Eric Ten Hag's system? Every other week, I reckon. Really? It, oh, I think it's one of the things... Every podcast? I think we might need a theme tune, maybe. Oh, no. I think I've said this a couple of times, but can you imagine Cristiano Ronaldo playing in the Europa League group stages? I mean, he was like on a mission, wasn't he, last season to avoid that fate? Yeah. I mean, the, and that was the knockout stages. That he didn't want to go <laughs> in. Yeah. Yeah. The group stages, you know, yeah. that's, United are going to be in the Europa League group stages. They are going to play three games away from home. One of them might be... Astana, come on, back to Kazakhstan, and I just yes. go somewhere new where we've not been <laughs> to before. So I'm excited about the draw. Let's say that happens, right? And there's Astana again. Can you imagine Cristiano Ronaldo playing in that game? So what? He's got to play in the game. But, but it's the question of, one... Is that the sort of game Cristiano Ronaldo would want to play in? Two, can Eric Ten Hag convince Ronaldo, actually, you're not playing that game on Thursday because I need you to play against Everton on the Sunday. And that, that's, that's the buy-in. That's the conversation you need to constantly be having right there. You'll have to have them chats. But if he stays, there is a decision to make for every single match in the Europa League group stage about him being involved. The alternative for him, if he doesn't want to be involved in the Europa League group stage, is to leave, isn't it? But, but will that happen? Andy said before he doesn't think that it will. I think there's just a lack of suitors. I think there are, he is so expensive in terms of wages. He is such a interesting challenge from a tactical sense now. Everyone in football now wants to play at least some form of pressing football. Ronaldo doesn't press. And we know, you know, he doesn't press by ever. Is he less appealing now than he was a year ago? Despite the fact of all the goals that he scored, what, what, what's the reason for I that? I think it's think? how he scores his goals. So Ronaldo's reached this point now where he is going to get you 20 goals in all competitions, regardless. And he will do whatever it takes to get you 20 league goals in a season. And there are a lot of players in world football that aren't that sort of guarantee. But he will take so many shots, some of them good and some of them not so good. He will stand over so many free kicks that he probably shouldn't be standing over. And he will demand the ball in so many areas that you probably shouldn't be demanding the ball, but you're going to get the ball anyway because you're Cristiano Ronaldo, that the goals will come for him. But they will come at a loss of shape and coherency from the wider team that it's a trade-off always. Uh, and, you know, Thierry Henry said this in the Champions League coverage last season of Ronaldo's going to be your, you know, your medicine and your poison. You're going to get 20 goals from Ronaldo, but the cost of that is getting to that point where you're going, that might not be worth it. And I think that's why other clubs in Europe have gone, we don't need that right now. The fact of it is, he started all this because he wanted to play in the Champions League, right? That was the quintessential reasoning for it United aren't in the Champions League you know one of my uh, pieces of information was that it was specifically to do with the goals record in the Champions League so he's, he's 15 ahead of Lionel Messi overall Messi's a couple of years younger than him you know it's not beyond realms of possibility that he overtakes him he's also three goals less than him in the group stage of the Champions League than Messi so I think there's even that in his mind that he wants wow. to be above him in the group stage potentially you know, this is like I said one, one source so maybe Cristiano will correct me in two weeks time but <laughs> The fact that I really hope so. It'd be oh, amazing, wouldn't it? it? I'm, I'm kind of a bit scared. Actually. If you just yeah, picked him out, <laughs> I mean, he's six foot. How was he? Six foot one. You know, his hair's rubbish. Even just the psychological yeah, attack. Yeah. Forget, forget the physical aspect I'm, of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably I mean, physically. There's no argument, is there? To be honest, but yeah. 
Um, but the fact of it is, you know, you, you talk about some of the um, potential clubs around Europe. Chelsea were obviously big. What happened there? Was it that Thomas Tuchel couldn't ultimately be convinced? The Atletico thing fascinates me the Atletico. most because the George, noises about the manager seem positive, but the fans have been so against fans, it. And George Mendes is very influential there. Sporting Lisbon's another one that I'd heard where, you know, that would be a kind of, you know, an emotional narrative as look, well. Look at this moment we've got as well. We've got a scarf <laughs> from last night just being taken off the chandelier. Fantastic. <laughs> it's a shame that was out of the shot because there's a bit of poetry just going on in the background. <laughs> um, and, and, and yeah, Sporting Lisbon would, would represent a kind of romantic return as United did, I suppose. But the fact of it is the coach is, I think, resistant to it for the reasons that Carl's outlined. Um, so it's, it's, it's whether or not, and, and the money as well, you know, if, if it wasn't such a financial commitment to these clubs, maybe they would consider it and the fact that they knew that he would mesh into and he would kind of come in and out of the team so it's up to him if he really wants to be in the Champions League then he might have to again make compromise. a compromise if he if he actually no okay I can maybe see myself still at United he again has to compromise but in a different way he's never played in the Europa League has he? no I don't think so I'm not, not even at United I, I think, I, think I checked that list he wasn't going when he I'm was I'm sure in uh, um, I researched it because I was like United yeah. could be in the Europa League when yeah. was the last time and I was like oh, not even in at United no, days no. no it wasn't no. even a competition when he was at, at Sporting but great players have played in humble football grounds it happens and it's going to happen more as he gets older and it's not great for Manchester United playing in the Europa League although we might get a great draw and you never know he might think you know what I've never played there I'm going to go Take my family, have a few days there, score six goals. We don't know yeah. what's going through his head. Um, one of the potential outcomes. And, and he, was, he was the best player in the Champions League group stage last year. Those, those late winners were the highlights of last season. But against Atletico, he did nothing. When it really mattered. And Atletico fans don't want him. Good. Why should... Is, is Real Madrid's arguably greatest ever player. He's Real Madrid royalty, in fairness, he is. isn't he? He is. So... I can understand why. And football fans' views should be listened to. It's not just what Jorge Mendes wants. The views of Atletico Madrid fans should, should be respected. So the wider conversation, Carl, to have now as well, I think, is that no matter what happens with Ronaldo's immediate future, longer term, he's got a year left on his contracts. We'll see what happens at the end of this season if he stays, of course, with everything that's connected with that. But it gives Manchester United, obviously a potential in the transfer market to go out and buy a centre-forward. It's something that they might even be working on uh, in the immediate, immediacy now, uh, which we'll talk about later on in the pod. But it's been a short-term position, it's felt like, for United and a lot of the targets that, that they've signed over the course of even the past sort of best part of a decade, really. I mean, there's only Anthony Martial in any sort of position like that who seems to have been signed as a centre-forward with a view to his future. It, yeah, I'm thinking yeah. uh, Ronaldo, Cavani, Ibrahimovic, Falcao. Romelu Lukaku is Lukaku, one, Lukaku and yeah, Martial are the only strikers under the age of 28 who have joined United to play up front. Since you've done your research more than me. I yeah. forgot Lukaku and you've just reeled off exactly how old they were. Thank you. I think a lot of problems have happened at United is that there's been a lot of short-term fixes. So there's been a lot of, we'll get the old veteran guy in He'll give us a season or two. And in season or two, we'd have got Champions League qualification. We'll figure it out. And has it been their, their record to that point that, that's meant United have gone for them? Or have they been seduced by the name, Andy? Both. Right. And Ronaldo's still a huge name. He's massive. Look at his numbers on social media. Like seven times more than Manchester United. He's massive. My, my kids, they don't ask me about Manchester United. They ask me about Cristiano. And... Different demographics look at football in different ways. So when United went for Cavani or Ibrahimovic, clearly they are names. 
that means that they can ask for top dollar. There's only certain clubs who can pay those really high wages. When Ibrahimovic and Cavani walked into the dressing room, they both had a really positive impact because players look up to them because they are names. They both delivered. Cavani, towards the end of his first season, was good. Nothing in his second season. Ibrahimovic delivered as well. I wouldn't be surprised if we get another striker. There's not many strikers about. There's not many top-level strikers in their prime available to buy now. They're not cheap. Um, we've not said cheap. this before, they're not cheap. And Never been cheap. Neither are wingers from Ajax, either. Yes, and that's another one I'm, I'm scratching my head on. In that if United are willing to bid that much money for a 100 mil for a winger from Ajax, they should probably save that and go to Italy and you know, wave the 100 million that way or maybe to the Bundesliga. And I think that's another confusing thing. United keep buying short-term fixes where eventually you just need to go and get the proper person. And you know, the thing I always, I always buy cheap headphones because I'm breaking them all the time. But you know, eventually I need to buy some decent headphones and look after myself when I'm transcribing and doing podcasting. They will say that at the moment they can't go and get the proper version because Erling Haaland's the proper version, right? Man City absolutely outflanked them, appealed to maybe he was always going to go there with his dad's connections, yeah. but still City did the professional job and got it and they've got the success that they can show to him. Darwin Nunes is one that I would, I would look at and think United could have got him. They were in the conversation for him before Liverpool were interested and the, and the price expanded. Well, I suppose the jury's still a little bit out on whether he's going to be a, a bona fide success. But he needs to stop headbutting people it, for a start. I mean, that, yeah. that, I mean, that was a crucial thing last night, wasn't it? Not having Darwin Nunes. Would that have affected Lisandro Martinez and Rafael Varane playing yes. so well? You know, it's a totally different kind of striker. Yeah. So, you know, fortune plays a part in these situations Quinton. as well. Quinton, he's, uh, he's having a good... Lovely is he still at Reading? No. No, he's not. I'm oh, sorry. No. <laughs> no, because I only learned this yesterday. Oh, right. Yeah, someone said, what's Quinton doing back at United? I went, is he? Oh, there we go. There Exclusive. We go. Exclusive. <laughs> I don't think he's got a role. I think he's such a nice person and causes so little trouble yeah. that if he wants to come and work out, then he brings good vibes. There we go. That's a good yeah. twist, isn't it? <laughs> Carry on, Larry, sorry. I need to double-check my sources on that one, but... <laughs> I think, it's it's on record I think it's a pretty innocent one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, I forgot what I was saying, to be honest. I probably was nothing that major. I think it was to do with the fact that can United go out and get that top, you know, like guaranteed hit right now? They've obviously got to go really, I would say, a bit younger. I mean, Malassia, I suppose, is an example of that. And clearly they're being influenced massively by Eric Ten Hag this summer. Anthony, a case in point. And the fact that he had success with his signings last night, again, it's one game, it's a very small sample size against a specific opposition that probably allowed United to play yeah. that way. Amidst an atmosphere that felt conducive oh. to that performance being, well, that's being made as well. Yeah. As we spoke about on the podcast straight after, the protest kind of wrapped into this, the, the joy of it and the fact it was against a, a rival the that were all, gloating yeah. in the, the Glazer protest. I mean, I don't know if we mentioned that, did we, on the podcast no, last night? They brought Avram Glazer masks and were chanting up the Glazers. I mean... You kind of have to laugh a bit, don't you, Andy? I mean, you've got to give them that fan rivalry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah fair, I, I, fair enough. I'd do it the same the other way around. They spent a bit, they spent a bit of money <laughs> on the printouts, haven't they? So, um, but it all added into that specific event. But clearly, that's helped Sen Hag to probably go and say, "Well, okay, these guys have, have performed in a big match for me. Trust my judgment on, on Anthony. It's a lot of money. Clearly, he could have been got for earlier, um, earlier in the window for less money." Would Ajax have gone for that when they were also trying for Martinez? I don't know. You know, there's obviously uh, maybe some political things there involved. But it's gonna if they get him, it's gonna be a lot of money for a player that's you know been untried really outside the area divisie. Um, let's see. But I, I guess at the stage that they're at now, United have, have got to that point.
Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Hello, I'm James Richardson. If, like me, you've ever felt like one of Cantona's cows watching gamely as football steams past like an express train, then why not join me three times a week over on the Totally Football Show? This Monday, for example, I'll be joined by Daniel Storey, Tom Williams and Benji Lignardo to explain what actually happened this Premier League weekend. Huh. Tuesday, it's the turn of the Euro crew, Horncastle, Honigstein, Alvaro Romeo and Julian Laurence to drop knowledge on all the continent's big stories, including this week the biggest last-minute comeback in Bundesliga history. Woof. Thursday then, it's back to our septic aisle to preview the weekend's Premier League games again with data beta Duncan Alexander and this week, analysis from Karl Anker and Adrian Clark. Join us then for cogent insight, fun and a few feeble puns plus the odd move from me. Just search for The Totally Football Show wherever you get your podcasts. That felt really nice. Uh, 10 15. 15. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are we finishing it, by the way? Dancing. A, a, little, a little hug. We're all going to get a special beverage. <laughs> Laurie's going to get an Aperol Spritz and he's going to get a pint. I'll have a Guinness. I need something to eat and drink. Are we good to go, yeah? Happy car. Yeah. Still awake? Just about. <laughs> Well, as we sit here now then, there's less than a week of the transfer window left and Manchester United still want several targets in several positions, it seems. And it begs the question, Andy, how have we got to this, really? We all sat in that press conference at the end of May, I think it was. He'd already been in place or it had been announced that he was going to take over for a few weeks before that. And we all felt at the time like it was a good opportunity for United to do the business early, to get everything in place, to start pre-season, if not the season. And we're now three matches into the campaign and stuff is still being sorted out. Are you surprised that it's come to this? Not especially because the noises I was getting early on in the window that it was very difficult for Manchester United. It's all right us sitting there saying we want business to be done early and United fans want business to be done early. You don't always get what you want in life. And I've said several times on this podcast, I know United feel that certain agents were trying to rip them off. No, it, it was that brazen, and I've seen and heard some of the figures quoted for certain players. And if you were in charge, you would have probably said, no, this is an absolute joke. Or if you looked at the agents' fee, or you saw how some agents were trying to play Manchester United. But the bottom line is, you got to a stage that before Casemiro had signed, and United had lost the first two games of the season, that all feeds into the bad mood. Add on to that, a pretty poor recruitment policy in the last nine years, fans understandably don't have a lot of faith. They just don't, and I get that. And then when the new players come in and have a pretty rough start, then it all adds and it all just builds up. And yeah, of course you want your players to be signed for a good price in June, to come back raring to go pre-season. There's another reality is that Manchester United are not as attractive as they once were to every footballer. 
United cannot offer Champions League football. I think that's why some people were surprised about getting Casemiro at, at this point, weren't they? I mean, uh, you know, there's been a lot said about the financials involved in it. However, if you listen to the player himself, you spoke to him uh, before the Liverpool game as well directly. He seems very intent that he's come to Manchester United for the appeal of the club and for the appeal of the challenge that's ahead of him. And the breakfast in this pub. He'd, he'd heard about <laughs> that. Small English breakfast. <laughs> I know, I had a big one in the end. I'm oh, having you know? one of them after oh, this. Oh, the good I'm, mate. I'm the great. I also spoke to Rafael Varane about this after the Liverpool game. He said, he's exactly like me, he needed a new challenge. And I thought, he didn't need to bring that into it. And them, them two were really tight. I've never been in a position where I've won multiple Champions Leagues and had to face that decision. Look, clearly the financial side is a factor. Whether that's a 10% factor or a 70% factor, we're never going to get the answer to that. United have to pay top money. I do genuinely believe the Premier League is hugely attractive to all footballers. It's, it's perceived to be yeah, the yeah. best football league in the world. And a lot of international teammates football. are in the Premier League as well, aren't they? A Loads lot of them. There's a lot of Brazilian Loads footballers about now. Know, he'll be playing alongside Fred, yeah. um, alongside um, Varane, Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, when he will have spoken to these people about Manchester United uh, and about the Premier League, he will have just got a series of positives. And then there's financial side, there's the security of a longer contract. And as someone pretty high up at Real Madrid said to me, this isn't the worst time ever to sell Casemiro. They've, they're in a better position than Manchester United. They're the European champions. They've got his replacement they've got in the two, house already. They've got two of them. They've got two, two, two replacments. Yeah, true. Two they are French exactly players. the players United should have got. Yeah. Or if United were in a better place with, with a little bit more with a little less of the executive dysfunction, probably should have been in market for. We know that, you know, there was, Camavinga seemed dead set on going to Spain and that was what happened there. And to a many is, he was always going to be very expensive and, and the pie in the sky. 100 million player. euros he was yeah, as well, wasn't he? Yeah. That, that really raised eyebrows at other clubs in Europe. I, I've had a couple of people say to me, because it happened very early on in the window, didn't it? Yeah. And, and one club said, that set the benchmark in a bad way for well, everybody it would, else. It? it would, yeah, because he's a reference point then, isn't he? But it? he's not really fully proven. You know, I, I spoke to someone who is a full-time scout in France who said he's not worth anything like that. But the, the, the ticker that's on the, on the TV screens around this pub have got Anthony Gordon at 60 million quid. I mean, he was only a first-choice player for Everton about halfway through last season. The, the valuations are high, aren't they? I, I find that one particularly <laughs> crazy because I, I, I don't know... He's like a, a kind of player that you want to root for. He, he seems a very Everton player. Like he's, you know, anyway. Yeah, what does that mean, there? by the way? Yeah. Very Everton like, player. Like, like, like maybe, this is meant in a compliment, complimentary way, Scott McTominay is a very Man United player. Like you want to, you want to support him, you want to back him. He's kind of, he's one of their own. And he's passionate for the club. He's passionate yeah. for the club. Oh, yeah. he, kind okay. of, he doesn't really, I think it'd be weird seeing him at Chelsea. That. Yeah, yeah. That's, what I, that's what I mean. But I mean, to 60 million, you, you kind of think that, that kind of price is for someone, as, as you say, that is, is proven two, three years. I mean, Casemiro for, for 60 million in that regard kind of looks looks a good deal, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, true. Yeah. I know he's, he's 30, but, you know, um, he's, he's absolutely proven. Obviously, the, the adjustment from the Liga to the Premier League might be an interesting one. You know, it's a different pace week after week after week. People can say he was man of the match against Liverpool in the Champions League final, which, he, you know, he clearly dominates in certain games like that. Um, but, you know, at the, on, every week, you know, is that the same intensity that you'll get from yeah. Brentford, from Brighton? Yeah, true, true. Bright. He's got the intelligence. This, this, yeah. isn't, this isn't Di Maria. 
This isn't Anthony Gordon. He sounds like a student, actually, of, of I, the I, game, I, doesn't I, he? I say that with a reason, right? <laughs> Before Manchester City played in Madrid in April, I got talking to this girl from Liverpool outside the ground, and she was living in Madrid. And uh, she was going to the game. She said, I'm not really into football. She said, do you know Anthony Gordon? Yeah, he plays forever. I went to school with him. Um, all I'll say is he wasn't in the top set at her school, but clearly he's done very well. She went to school with all the Everton apprentices. Right, okay. And um, Another anecdote I didn't expect to come no, out of the I podcast. No, I don't think it's a decent anecdote. Are you United in for Anthony Gordon? Is that what you're trying to do? What's going on here? United would never in for Anthony Gordon. Right, the bottom right. I'll, I'll try and rescue us here. Please. Casimiro would have gone to Yale if he wasn't going to be a footballer. He's a bright, bright man. He's a serious football thinker. Ancelotti sees something adores in him. Adores him. Adores him. Thinks he's a future coach. But did he fight the transfer? Ancelotti's a good Real Madrid manager because he doesn't fight transfers. Ancelotti let him go to Porto seven years ago and then apologised because he'd got it completely wrong. Madrid haven't done badly out of this, Laurie. They, they've got a lot of money. That, that's what I think most people look at and go, and clearly we saw it last night, people were excited to see Casemiro walk in. It's a nice buzz the around the stadium, people just catching a glimpse of Casemiro uh, almost. And the, inter- the thing that he did with Real Madrid was, was quite touching. You know, you could see his yeah. emotional side. I think that was nice he went, to he see. He went back to Madrid to do that. It, specifically, he, he yeah. He flew here, yeah. flew back, and yeah. then flew back here again. Oh, that's a lot of CO2. Yeah. <laughs> Bad man. I, th- I think... If you look at how United played against Liverpool, Casemiro, great, amazing. You plug him in instead, instead of, of I probably instead of Scott McTominay, you have Ericsson okay. in that pivot, and you can play that sort of football. Middle block, defend, defend deep around your area, break counter-attack, one of Rashford, one of Alanga, one of Sancho, run into space, and Casemiro will do that. It's if you want to play that pressing style of football that Ten Hag eventually developed Ajax into that Casemiro might become a problem. Casemiro this season, I think, will be a success. It's when Casemiro's 32, 33 on those big wages and Ten Hag maybe wants to play yeah. you know, a bit more expensive football. Well, I, I guess the point is as well, he's such a different profile to Frankie de Jong yeah. and even Adrian Rabiot, who's yeah. obviously been heavily linked as well, that it doesn't feel like he's an alternative to them. In a, in a sense that he's an equivalent it's an alternative in the sense that he's a totally different midfielder yeah I said it on the Athletic Football Podcast on Monday of Casemiro is the exact sort of midfielder you should have bought when Paul Pogba was still at Man United oh really like a midfielder so is he actually the DM that you've always dreamed of I think a, I think a midfield three of Casemiro Fred and Pogba would have been very very good and if that had happened you know, even before Bruno Fernandes came in, when Bruno Fernandes came in, I was like, oh, right, we're off to the races. That, that hasn't gone unnoticed, by the way. Yeah. The Paul Pogba connection. Certain people have noticed that and gone, oh, Casemiro next to Ooh, him. You never know. Could have been something know. different. And I think... Yeah. yeah. The interesting thing now is Casemiro and Fred, okay, for Brazil, they are decent. You've got to bear in mind, though, that's the preferred midfield. Two of those players are preferred ahead of players like Fabinho, ahead of players like, you know, when Fernandinho was still playing for the national team, it was still Casemiro as the six. So that's encouraging, but also Brazil play a sort of not high possession-based football. They, you know, they also want to run into space as well. Um, so if you want to play Ajax 18-19 without Frankie de Jong, Casemiro is good. But you do now get into the question of who's going to play next to Casemiro. Christian Eriksen looked knackered in the last 20 minutes against Liverpool uh, and I don't think Eriksen wants to play 30-40 games in, in, as the deepest like line midfield player no no. Uh, and Fred okay we all know about what Fred's good at and what he's not so good at so you do get to the question of if you're going to play a 4-2-3-1 
you need a passer. You need that progressive pass to pick up the ball collected from the centre-backs and move that ball to the other side. Knowing United will finally get Tony Cruz, bring him in <laughs> next to him with Luka Modric as well. Yeah. This will make you at home. <laughs> so all of this begs quite a clear question to me, Laurie. Did, did Eric Ten Hag identify Casimiro as a player he wanted or is it something that someone else in the club has pushed towards him and he's decided yeah it's a good idea let's do it yeah I, d I don't know we'd need to do more uh, sort of questions I suppose but uh, to people that would, would have the answers directly but um, my gut is that it's somebody that's become available United, United have known about him all summer that something that's a, doable there's a chance yeah, yeah there's a chance you know as, as soon as uh, too many goes in there and they've already got Camavinga Casemiro's position albeit he's a Real Madrid legend you know you're kind of wondering okay what's the next step for him clearly he's been on the bench uh, for his first La Liga game has that been the catalyst for then okay right we're going to act now and it just so so happens that it chimes with United getting beat 4-0 by Brentford and therefore you know we're in we're in active mode here we need to you know show our muscle and, and try and back this manager that we've we put so much faith in my gut is that it's that way round and Tenag he spoke very positively about him last night very positively has then gone yeah I can get on board with this okay it's different than what Frankie de Jong was because mm. you know I'll say it again we asked him in Melbourne about a holding midfielder and he answered about Frankie de Jong sorry and he answered about a holding midfielder in terms of getting the ball from deep breaking the lines Casemiro is different to that but maybe you know Tanag has shown adaptability at well there was quite clubs. a big difference as well between Brentford and Liverpool wasn't there we, we spoke about this again on the podcast yeah. about the and Carl's written about it on The Athletic if you want to go and read it but there was a lot of tactical variances between those two matches, which felt encouraging, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, and that's what we've said. You know, he needs to be perhaps pragmatic in certain ways as he's building, and this is part of the the Casemiro, uh, you know, answer. Um, somebody that that you know uh, is close to the club was saying to me. You know, this is, goes back a little bit to they're, they're buying older players. It feels like a repeated thing, but to get a manager to work and get his system in place, he needs to win immediately to at least get his foot in the door. True, and that's yeah. what the Casemiro thing is kind of about. I mean, I, I do think in my head, Nemanja Matic a little bit when, you know, they signed him at the end of his, you know, towards the end of his uh, career, sorry. And we didn't really get <laughs> the best version. But then even last season, you know, he was still playing and, and doing well, but it wasn't, it wasn't him at his best. And, and a lot of people would say the mobility was an issue for yeah, a number yeah. of seasons. So yeah. that's, that's also at the back of my mind. But I do feel like it's probably this is a deal that we can do I mean I sort of said could could you know United not have done this when they were going for Adrian Rabiot um, apparently it was simultaneous but I do wonder if you know because then he could have been in the team for Liverpool for example I know he, he wanted to be in the team for Liverpool he stated that overtly yeah, as he yeah, said goodbye good to Real Madrid didn't he good point uh, just that visa he and, loves playing and against and Liverpool he couldn't have played in them shiny shoes that well, he was I wonder, on the pitch with though could would, he? Would, he have, would he have would he have dealt with James Milner the same way he did at, at Anfield was it I think and I mean Scott McTominay had a bit I wondered if that was why McTominay was in the team because remember Bangkok he gave Milner a bit of you know a bit of aggression and I wondered if that's why he was in over Fred because you know Tenag again pragmatic high as well yeah. high at yeah. set piece um, you know you, obviously Martinez we talk about the set pieces um, in is he defense. five foot nine someone needs to mention that no one needs to mention that, to mention that. <laughs> um, I feel really bad for anyone who is five foot nine <laughs> and is a United fan now <laughs> you know, Luke Shaw's actually five foot nine small. yeah if anyone's not five foot nine as a Man United yeah, fan yeah, you must exactly. every week going, Luke Shaw I'm telling you he is no he's definitely six foot sorry sorry no, it has become literally the parroted reference point, hasn't it? We spoke about it again earlier on in the week. Um, Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just to sort of make a wider point on this, Andy, really, how coherent is all of this from a Manchester United perspective in terms of the transfer policy? The fact that there is still being an element of brickmanship being sorted out towards the end of, the, of this window. Still more work to be done, which we'll speak about in a moment as well. It wasn't supposed to be like this, was it? I don't think it is coherent. I think there's been so many changes at the club that the new system uh, is not fully functioning. It's a club which has let the two leading scouts go, which doesn't always listen to the recommendation of the other scouts. I think it's a transfer policy which has been driven by the manager, which on one hand is fine, but what if the manager doesn't work out and you're left with players? This is why clubs have sporting directors. To try and provide the link from one manager to the next, one regime to the next. Because the manager's the most important person at a club, but when he loses four games, his position completely changes. So I understand entirely why United wanted Frenkie de Jong and why they pushed so hard for him, spent so much time in Barcelona, John Murta, Richard Arnold, did the deal with Barcelona, but the player didn't and doesn't want to come and he's got a contract. And with time ticking on, with the results starting badly at the start of the season, United had to look at a, a plan B. And there was Rabio, there was Casimiro. I'm much happier that Casimiro was signed rather than, than Rabio. Um, United have looked at a lot of players and are still looking at a lot of players. It looks to me like an imperfect recruitment system at the moment. John Murta's bringing people in who he's working very closely with. Maybe they'll find their feet. Maybe United will become more successful again, stronger. So players become easier to recruit because they want to play for Man United, because they think, I really like what Eric Ten Hag's doing at Man United. Last night would have helped in that sense. That's only one game, mate. Players don't judge off. Do you not think watching that they would have been more encouraged than Brentford? Of course he would, but... But you, they're going to look at league positions and cup wins. Top, top players. Don't look at league positions just I'm not going to go, all right, um, <laughs> 14th. United finished 14th, but they beat Liverpool last, <laughs> last August. Yeah, true, true. Um, but it, it, was, it was hugely encouraging. I didn't think that, see, I could not see that coming at all. So I'm pleasantly surprised. And to the credit of all them players and to the manager, I think the manager's conducting himself really well. Pretty impressed. So when we left the ground last night, all his family were there. I thought that was lovely. Yeah, and it was gone midnight in leaving Old Trafford. It could have been a horrible experience, that, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, protests, um, the team losing, and instead it was really relaxed, it was smiling, they were all in the cream clothes, the whole family had the same colour clothes on. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And a great night. Good, glad he's enjoyed it. To round up the transfers then, Laurie, who's next? Good question. Well, we spoke about Anthony, didn't we? Messi. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's going to get messy. Um, yeah, a week to go. You, I mean, did you say we're going to get messy? He said been, we're going to get messy. I said it's an issue in the boardroom. It's, it's going to get yeah. messy. You put these boys yeah, in a pub. Gary what Cook happens? at Manchester City. Gary Cook, it was, yeah, Gary like Cook that, at yeah. Man City, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think yeah. that's right. I mean, you, you spoke about the fact of, of agents, you know, pushing the numbers up at the start of the window. Uh, 
they're going to do that at the end of the window when they know that United are, are desperate. Certainly, uh, Ajax will look at it and go, well, we've got a player here that we you know don't want to sell. They really haven't wanted to sell him. Clearly, they've got Hakim Ziyech you know, going over there and, and that's something that's brewing. So they've got a replacement potentially ready, but they're still going to squeeze United. They, they did on Lisandro Martinez at the very end. You know, They squeezed United a bit yeah. more money out of Lisandro yeah. Martinez at, at the end of that. For all that Edwin Mandasar is you know, a United hero and kind of we, we sort of see him as a nice He's guy. He's auditioning for the role there, there isn't is he? That, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Anthony's one. Cody Gakpo is another that's an alternative. Or as someone sort of said to me this morning, could could they get both? I mean, that sounds crazy. I know it would be you're wincing, and I'm thinking, where did where does the money come from? But uh, that's dependent on. I know this uh, maybe go out after that, but the the Wednesday game against Rangers in the Champions League. There's also a goalkeeper situation um, where, as we've reported. You know, a, a number two that can push David De Gea. A trap to fall into. A trap to fall into. <laughs> Keep watch this space. And I'm even hearing about you know a right back. If they could do some kind of uh, work on the right back front, Wambasaka came on against Liverpool. I'm not sure that Ten Hag is convinced by him. David Ornstein said there's interest in Wambasaka around yeah. the Premier League as well. So that seems like something to keep an eye on when we spoke to him at Old yeah. Trafford last night. And, and that's one where you feel that that's a late deal. That's like okay, right. I'm going to look at my options now. And the season's panned even out. Even alone, maybe. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, United. You know, Eric Bailly, I think, to Marseille is, is pretty much done. So that's what United do well. Loans out. Um, it'd be nice to, to sell a player and get some money in. Um, but listen, you know, they're not they're not in the position that Man City and Liverpool are in right now to kind of really extract top dollar. But and I mean, we, we spoke about James Garner as well, just as briefly touching on players that could go out. He has been made available uh, for a permanent transfer or, or or loan ultimately, which is kind of surprise people. But that could be one where some money gets recouped. Okay, just around the podcast off then, we need to preview. The match is coming up for Manchester United because, <laughs> like Andy said a moment ago, beating Liverpool is not enough. They have to build on this now. They have an opportunity to put to rest this awful away record when they go to Southampton at the weekend. It's your old neck of the woods. What chance to give United of doing it at Southampton, if not doing it against Leicester? They've got two opportunities in a few days to, to change the record, don't they? The Southampton game will be a really interesting experiment. You know, Ralph Hansen is supposed to be playing high-pressing Red Bull-flavoured football but uh, it has quite a few square pegs in round holes. Ten Hag probably could run the same team he did against Liverpool. I would probably rest Chris Eriksen because, again, he looked a bit knackered uh, and try and play that direct style of football again and hopefully you don't get another 1-1 draw in August. The Leicester game... I mean, that's Laurie's speciality. Yeah, I like how we're going back to our old stomping <laughs> grounds there, aren't we, in the next couple of games? I mean, they're in a difficult situation, Leicester, aren't they, where you know, they've had a bad start to the season. There's, there's some uh, suggestions of you know, Brendan Rodgers having a tough time with some players. You know, Yuri Tielemans, what's happening there? Does he want to go? Wesley Fafana's obviously after a move to Chelsea, so he's not been able to pick him. So there's, you know... Stuff to, to worry about there for Leicester, but then again, anything can happen at the King Power. 5 3, 4 2, oh, 2 God, 2 last three. minute draws. We've had it all there. <laughs> That's where the record ended as well, wasn't it, at Leicester? The, the winning oh, record the, the, away yeah, from yeah, home good as well. Point. So yeah, there, yeah. it has been a notable fixture. And after that, it's Arsenal at Old Trafford who look like they've got their house in order big time. So United need to get theirs in order to face them, don't they? Yeah, Arsenal done well. This time last year at the start of the season, everyone was on Arteta's case saying, this appointment is the wrong appointment. I think they've recruited well. They've got uh, a pretty clear identity, I think. Young players, obviously it's Arsenal, they're spending good money, so there's a lot of excitement about them. Um, they beat Manchester United. Well, we're at that, that was one of the seven defeats, wasn't it? That was at, at Arsenal, really good game, but, but 
uh, another defeat. Do you think Mikel Arteta will pipe glory, glory Man United <laughs> into speakers <laughs> around the training pitches at um, Colney, London Colney, in preparation for the Fibra this atmosphere is, this is that the Trafford will bring? They'll be playing this, this is, is the one. one yeah, yeah, of course. People are missing that, aren't they? <laughs> He's just shaking his head. He's, he's done. I think we should leave it there. He's got to combust. I've got, I've got our te- anecdotes here, and I'm thinking, no, this is far, far too random. <laughs> save, no, no, I'll save, save him for, for the Arsenal podcast. I'll save him for another save time. It, absolutely. He's, he's when he was at Rangers, so that's going way too bad. Okay. Did All you right. say Kevin Trapp before, though, the goalkeeper? Well, he said a trap to fall into, and that's what he referred Kevin to. Kevin Trapp with the Brazilian supermodel wife Elizabeth Goulart. You know everyone with a Brazilian <laughs> supermodel wife. It's all fitting into places, Casimiro. He has got a Brazilian supermodel wife. I hope um, <laughs> if she does come, she's more enthusiastic. Are you a sporting director in disguise? I am a sporting You may director. as well. <laughs> You've got a questionable recruitment strategy then as well, haven't you? <laughs> right, it was right, lovely right. doing this podcast. <laughs> right, we better leave it there. I've gone red. I'm feeling a bit hot. Um, this has been really nice, though, hasn't it? Lovely. Really nice. We should do this again sometime. We yeah, are in a pub. It. Should we get Laurie a weird drink? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And a full English breakfast. While I, do, we're at I need it some well. food. Yeah, just something to line the Can stomach first before it? we go fizzy Food's and good. crazy. And good. by the way, the Fanta last night was not working at Old Trafford. I was very oh, disappointed. Dear. It was just like clear water, and I, I, I'm so disappointed. I'm sure the owners haven't got anything else to sort out at the moment. They can look that's into the, that. That's the number away. one. Get yeah. on that. Forget the transfers. <laughs> brilliant place to leave it it got very random it always does doesn't it but Carl thank you for being with us Andy Laurie thank you as well and we'll see you on the next one well we won't but we've seen you this time and I always say and it always sounds weird on a podcast but finally we've seen you so yeah thank you very much thanks for listening thanks for watching and we'll see you soon bye bye Athletic.